You're listening to Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Here, we'll chat about all things marriage, motherhood, and modern home economics in all honesty. I'm your host, Maurice Young. I'd like to thank Dram for sponsoring this episode. Their artistically simple packaging caught my eye when I first stumbled across their award-winning CBD sparkling water, Drops and Bitters, a woman-owned Colorado-based business that champions sustainability and doesn't formulate their products with so-called natural flavors, which, side note, can ironically contain synthetic chemical flavorings. It turns out it's not too good to be true. You can shop at dramapothecary.com or just click the link in the show notes. For a limited time, you can also use the code YHM in all caps for 20% off your first order. And now onto the show. All right. Well, hi there, Lauren. And thank you so much for being a guest on Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So excited to chat. Yay. Well, let's start with this. Who is Lauren? You know, (laughs) that seems like a simple question, but I'm like, um, on top of wearing many hats, that's one thing um, that I feel like I'm in a season of rediscovering myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So to, I guess, kind of the bullet point items, if you will, um, I'm a mom of a one-year-old, newly turned one-year-old named Luca. Um, I'm also a um, perinatal and pediatric chiropractor. Um, so I'm an entrepreneur, a wife. Um, I'm from Houston originally and have been in the DFW Metroplex for almost two years. It'll be two years this December. Um, that's kind of my my short resume, if you will, uh, what I do mostly. Um, but like I mentioned, one thing I've been kind of evolving my interest in my, um, ways I'm showing up in the world. I also blog and, um, Mm. yeah, that's, that's pretty much it right now. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm curious because you've mentioned a couple times now that you feel you're in this season of life where you're feeling called to rediscover yourself. Is there anything particular that triggered this um, rediscovery? Yeah, I think so. Luca's my first, and I've been working in the birth world as I forgot birth doula on my Uh resume. Um, I got trained as a doula in 2013, and um, I started practicing chiropractic in 2015. So even when I started my practice, I was. Um, really focused on serving pregnant women and babies, young children. And a lot of times I'll have other family members come along, but that was my primary focus in my training and, you know, how I was showing up in my branding and all that good stuff. So um, the interest has always been there and I've been kind of immersed in this world of all things birth and new motherhood for years. And so I just had my baby last year in 2019 and one unexpected part of postpartum was just the identity shift and having all of that energy from all the physical energy that goes into growing and nourishing a baby and um, also little things that you don't think about like, oh, my whole wardrobe is geared towards being breastfeeding friendly and how much Mm. like boob access. There is little things like that, you know, so I'm to a stage now where 
um, with my son. He, like I mentioned, he just turned one. So I'm like, what are my hobbies now? Like what things do I like to do that are compatible with my new lifestyle and, um, you know, the way I'm even working and practicing or those, uh, is that congruent with how I want to utilize my energy and like the time that I want to be at home versus in the office. So really just rethinking, you know, what my interests are and, um, you know, rediscovering my hobbies, finding new hobbies, really evolving my, um, practice in my brand. So my practice hasn't changed a whole lot. I work less hours, um, more so a result of, um, just the location I'm at, but I found that it works really well for my family balance, but also my blog started as more so a holistic health blog. And now it's evolved to sharing some of those motherhood, um, like my, just my experiences and tips and things like that. So those have all been parts of my journey. Yeah. I love that. And okay. So you mentioned that you're a doula and then you're also a chiropractor, which Mm -hmm. means that you have a lot of formal education around supporting women and in particular birthing women and postpartum women um, as their bodies evolve and as they, you know, deliver and then care for their new babies. And so I'm curious because you mentioned that you were kind of caught off guard even still in not really expecting, you know, the identity shift that for you came along with postpartum. Did you find that there was a lot of lessons or um, a lot of training given while you were studying for a doula and while you were studying to become a chiropractor on how to help women move through that transition um, identity wise? Um, in general, postpartum education is, um, when it comes to chiropractic is like non-existent. So as far as like the formal education that we get in school, um, there are now continuing education programs that included infuse some of those things. But nothing mm-hmm. that we would get just like through a regular curriculum. Um, same thing with the doula world. Like we get, if you're training to be a birth doula, you get some of that immediate postpartum, like breastfeeding and what have you. But um, the postpartum is a whole nother training and world. Interestingly, in the birth world, a lot of people are like to do one or the other, or you know whether it's like a lifestyle thing because. With birth doulas, obviously you have to be on call. So some people go the postpartum route to have more structure in their schedule, what have you. So there mm-hmm. isn't a whole lot of overlap. So I found that most of that uh, training came from just me seeking out, um, seeking out that information and that knowledge on my own, and still, you know, even now continuing to learn. Yeah. So how is that informing? the way in which you show up now as a doula and a chiropractor? Um, I think I, I've really placed a lot more emphasis on the postpartum period and especially going through it myself and recognizing how much change happens and how much support that mothers need through postpartum that, you know, mm-hmm. in, in our culture, the focus shifts over to baby. And even like I remember being in a hospital room one time and with some, you know, mother had just given birth and 
there were there Obi was in the room and another family member was in the room and they were just like, yeah, birth, you know, so many things can happen and this and that. But when you become a mother, it's not about you anymore. And Mm. they were talking specifically about the birth experience, but basically saying, you know, whatever choices or how you have to birth, um, you know, you just need to accept it because if it's for the health of your baby, then essentially your needs and your desires should be cast to the side. And so that really stuck with me. That was like probably six years ago, six or seven years ago. And that really stuck with me because that is, I feel how we are kind of groomed and how a lot of the mainstream information is handed to us where it's like, you know, what's best for baby is the priority. And that is what's Mm. essential in the postpartum period and that fourth trimester period. But you know, the needs of the mother in understanding like how much of a healing process you're still going through um, is overlooked. So now I, something that I do is everyone gets a complimentary postpartum follow-up visit with me if they are under any kind of care plan in my office. So that way there's like an automatic time for us to meet and check up. I typically will send a text message beforehand just to check in. um, And then I like to see them Typically before they see their provider, unless they had like a home birth midwife or something. Mm-hmm. But um, in most cases, I, I'll see them before they go to their OB for a checkup um, just to make sure, you know, everything is going well to see what resources and support they may need because so much happens even in that first like few days and few weeks. And yeah. um, they're there's just not a lot of support. You know, even if you have the family support, that professional support isn't always there the way it should be. So I try to show up more and also help my, the moms that I serve to like wrap their heads around how much of a shift it's going to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, that postpartum time takes planning and preparation as well. Definitely. I'm glad that, um, we're we're getting into this because it's something that I've thought about a lot. I have a three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old son, and I realized after giving birth, you know, they I saw my midwife a couple days after he was born. She came to the house to kind of check up on me, and then I had a six-week appointment, and then there was nothing. And it's very common for many postpartum women that there's just that six-week checkup, and then that's kind of it. You're on your own unless there's you know, a major issue or you're starting to notice something that's concerning and you can schedule an appointment to go in and see your care provider. But that time, like you mentioned, a lot can happen in just the first few days, mentally, emotionally, physically. And so I'm excited to hear about the way in which your practice is evolving to better support your postpartum clients. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. I I really realized how a while ago, I started putting the postpartum visit on the calendar ahead of time, just like mm. a couple weeks past the estimated due date, just so we would have something on the calendar. But okay. now I understand going through that that newborn phase where it's like, what time is it? What day is it? Where am I? <laughs> like everything's just kind of a blur. Um, you know how having that in place. Even if it's to me, I'm like, even if I could just get you going in the right direction with providing you with uh, a resource that's not, you know, specifically in my practice, but 
Right. You know, if you need a lactation consultant or a a counselor or a therapist or uh, a physical therapist, whatever the case may be. Um, I really think more about just being a resource that way. And one thing I love about chiropractic care is it doesn't take, it's a very simple process in that um, like my appointments, the way my schedule is set up are like 15 minutes. So it's like a 10 to 15 minute um, time that you spend with me, but you know, that gives us time to catch up a little bit. Um, it gives you time to get adjusted, which is something that's going to benefit your whole body because it impacts the way your nervous system is functioning, which as you probably already know, you know, hormones, emotions, mm-hmm. stress all over the place, um, during those early times. So just having that time that, you know, some moms, even they're like, this is my time that I'm like by myself doing something. <laughs> So, you know, you come to your appointment and we have time to chat, catch up, and um, you get to do something for yourself that's impactful, but it's not going to take a ton of time out of your schedule is one of the things that I really love about um, the postpartum phase in providing postpartum care. Yeah. So you mentioned that there's really not a lot of formal education and training when it comes to postpartum chiropractic care. Mm Mm-hmm. What inspired you to focus your practice on prenatal and postpartum chiropractic care? Um, prenatal, I was initially when I was in school and just seeing some of the things that were happening in our healthcare system as it relates to um, the maternal health care crisis, mm-hmm. um, specifically how that crisis is disproportionately affecting Black women. Um, mm-hmm. That I just got really passionate and fired up about that and just couldn't believe that women were dealing with certain things. So that was how I got into the prenatal side and what inspired my doula training. And for postpartum, it was just kind of a natural evolution where it was like, okay, I was seeing these women during their pregnancies. And then afterward, you know, they would come and bring their babies to me. But, you know, I was checking up on them too in you know, we were talking about any issues they were having aches and pains with nursing or carrying their babies or even, you know, recovering from the birth process, the way that their bodies had changed um, when it comes to like pelvic floor health and um, issues that people are becoming more aware of, like diastasis of the abdominal muscles, those kind of things. So it all kind of snowballed where it was like, Initially, I started with that prenatal side of things. And then I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do prenatal, I need to know if I'm preparing people for the birth process, I need to know about birth. And then I naturally learned about postpartum that I'm seeing babies, which led me into getting more training with babies. So it always just a very natural progression. And I've taken a lot of um, like seminars outside of school um, in the chiropractic world and outside of it. And, um, I mean, there's always still more to learn. There are still disparities when it comes to representation, uh, within, you know, education. So to be honest, that has been in one of the issues that I'm like, I would love to take these trainings, but I want it to be culturally competent. And I'm like, I don't want to be the token person (laughs) in the room. So, um, I'm kind of working through that and discovering how to, continue getting trained and uh, continue to like serve 
serve women better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing more about that journey. Um, I can see how it would have been a natural progression because, you know, like you said, you were already serving women who were pregnant and seeing them prenatally. And then it's kind of like, okay, well, if you're going to see their kids, might as well learn more about that and, and learn how to support the body as well. And so I have had chiropractic care, but I'll be honest, before I saw my chiropractor for the first time last year, I was very confused about what it was, why it was important, and whether or not it really worked. So now, you know, I've gotten those answers cleared up for myself, but I would love for you to share more about that with the listeners and kind of walk them through what chiropractic care is and why it's important. Yeah, specifically for for moms or just in general. Let's start with the general understanding so that people who are not yet aware of what it is can learn more about it. And then I'd love to go more into how you help support women and moms. So with, uh, in general, the major premise of chiropractic is basically your nervous system is the master control system of your body and your brain and body communicate through your nervous system. And the spine, adjusting the spine is like a conduit to creating positive change within the nervous system. We're all perceiving the world through our nervous system, adapting to our life experiences and stressors in this you know, body that we're living in every day. In, in our modern world, a lot of times the stressors that we're experiencing overwhelm the body's ability to adapt. So with the adjustment, what we're, what we're utilizing that for is to help return the body to a state of balance and adaptability and to create resilience. So that way you are in a place where you can perceive and respond to your environment in an appropriate way. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the, the big picture, if you will. So the interesting thing and where a lot of the confusion comes from is there are a couple different approaches in application of chiropractic because chiropractic is not medicine. It's not based on an allopathic approach and philosophy. However, a lot of people utilize chiropractic allopathically, if that makes sense. So yeah. that's where you get a lot of... Um, more focus on treatment of disease conditions, specifically neuromusculoskeletal stuff. So things that you think about with conventional chiropractic care, if you will. So like neck and back pain, headaches, sports injuries, car accidents, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Then there's the other side of chiropractic that I mentioned beforehand. That's what you call vitalistic chiropractic. And that is recognizing the body as an intelligently designed system that's self-healing, self-organizing, um, but there's still limitations to you know physical matter, physical bodies. And so that is where the chiropractor comes in to facilitate that system being able to run more smoothly, to be able to run optimally the way it was designed to. Hmm. Does that make sense? Because I know that's like a mouthful of information. (laughs) No, it does. So is the training different? Let's say if you wanted to practice one way versus the other, or is it the same? It's different. 
Okay. It really depends on where you go to chiropractic school. So, okay. for example, I, I mentioned I'm from Houston. The school that's in Houston is more an allopathically oriented school. And mm-hmm. so I'll give you an example. The uh, prenatal and pediatric adjusting organization that does all of the certifications and diplomates and that kind of thing, they didn't even start coming to Houston to hold seminars until, I don't know, maybe like maybe five years ago. Um, so you, a lot of those people that came out of that school, you know, had to seek out that training elsewhere, or a lot of times they just didn't get it. Like the, that training was just different. Um, and so there are a couple schools like that, that lean more towards that, um, physical medicine, if you will, um, more of that allopathic, uh, neuromusculoskeletal approach. Um, mm-hmm. I went to a school that is more oriented towards vitalistic chiropractic and kind of has a variety of different techniques and uh, philosophies and approaches. So I think I was exposed to a lot of different things and typically people will just, you know, follow the path that resonates with them. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, it depends on your schooling. It depends on uh, your what your uh, passions are, because you can absolutely, you know, be involved in like sports or something and still have that uh, vitalistic approach. But mm-hmm. when it comes to working with um, pregnancy and children and postpartum, I think those kind of naturally overlap when it comes to that, like more vitalistic and nervous system based approach. Especially Mm -hmm. with kids, because you don't typically get kids that come in with, you know, neck pain, back pain, you know, injuries, that kind of thing. A lot of times you see kids that have with babies, you know, problems breastfeeding or they're very colicky or children that are on the spectrum or have digestive issues or, you know, all kinds of things that don't necessarily seem chiropractic related or related to the spine. And it's not necessarily that we treat all of these things. It's that approach that I mentioned before, where we look at the body as a whole and look at how the nervous system is functioning. And it's because of that, that we're Mm -hmm. able to help people see improvements in other areas of their health. Um, Mm. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. I think that's really helpful for me and I'm sure it's going to be helpful for the listeners. And that brings me to my next question. And of course, I know it's not ethical to ask for professional medical advice and that's not what this podcast is about, but I am curious about what it would look like for you to support, let's say, a pregnant woman through her pregnancy and into postpartum with chiropractic care. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned, it's very, uh, you know, it depends on the individual for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple factors that I consider to help me, everyone in my office gets a care plan. So that basically means instead of, uh, my focus isn't really like, um, you know, well, when something's bothering you, you know, come in that kind of thing. It's more of, um, you know, or I should say, I should say this, there are definitely people that come in that are symptomatic and have some issues that they want to resolve. There are other people that have just heard about the benefits of chiropractic care during pregnancy, or they were recommended by a friend, a midwife, a doula, what have you. Um, Mm -hmm. So we basically look and see what the goals are. We see if there's any 
um, symptoms or issues that are being worked through. And between that information and that person's individual history, we create a plan for how I'll care for them. So mm-hmm. that varies person to person, but generally speaking, I like to see um, pregnant women on a regular basis, even if they're not symptomatic, because you have to consider how often the body is changing and how dramatic the changes are. So, you know, obviously you've been pregnant before. So thinking about the way the posture is changing, the way those hormones are loosening up the ligaments to create space for baby, um, some of those common aches and pains that you have, hip pain, pubic bone, um, sciatic pain, lower back stuff, um, even positional issues with baby. So I get people often who have babies that are transverse, so they're lying side to side instead of vertically and Mm -hmm. um, preach those kinds of things. Those are all considerations we take into play. And um, I I base those plans basically off of what the person's needs are. So that's where we kind of start is evaluating everything. And with an understanding that the body is dynamic and constantly changing, and we want to stay ahead of the stressors as much as possible and ahead of that change that's happening versus taking a more reactive approach where I only have people come in to me when they're having pain or some type of dysfunction or at the last minute when their baby's not in a great position. So um, in my office, I have a membership style where based on what your needs are and where you're at, I see you. uh, Most often people come in for a weekly um, visit, but again, it really really depends. Um, So that's pretty much it. Then the visits themselves are pretty short. And if prenatal specialists are uh, typically certified in what's called the Webster technique, and mm-hmm. that's an adjustment for the sacrum that it's a triangle shaped bone that's at the base of the spine, and it dresses the ligaments that attach the uterus into the pelvis. So typically people that are interested in that prenatal have that Webster certification, and oftentimes, you know, other certifications. And we check the whole body, um, get you adjusted, and adjustments are very safe and um, comfortable during pregnancy. I know a lot of people are concerned about like the safety of like, is that okay for pregnant women to do? Um, It's super safe. I definitely recommend getting somebody who's Webster Technique certified or, um, you know, just checking to see if they're practice and how their presence shows up in their office and online is reflective of a family prenatal oriented practice Mm -hmm. and um, to go for that type of office during your pregnancy. And um, yeah, that's pretty much, does that answer your question? It does. Yes. And I'm really glad that you also included some tips on what people could look for if they were interested in chiropractic care during pregnancy. I think that's it it's, can be confusing. Like, wh- how are you supposed to know who's good, yeah. who's um, certified, who's qualified to be doing all of this? And yeah. um, one other question I had to you about the like actual care that you give and something that for a long time stopped me from seeking chiropractic care is that I didn't know what an adjustment was and what it was going to feel like. It sounded, you know, when people talk about how they're going to adjust the spine, to me, I thought it was going to be painful. Mm-hmm. And I was so afraid of, 
that like possibility of pain that I was like, nah, I don't think I'm ready for that. And I put it off for a really long time. So I would love if you could share more about what an adjustment is and kind of describe how it has felt for you and how um, people might perceive it to be. Yeah. So in adjustment, how we talked about the nervous system before, mm-hmm. the goal of the adjustment is to restore that normal communication from brain to body through the nervous system by adjusting certain segments of the spine. So there are different ways to do that. There are different approaches and technique. The most common way that people are um, familiar with is by hand. And so I think that's where some of the misconceptions and a lot of the fear can come from because Mm -hmm. in certain joints throughout the body, there's liquid in the joints and little gas bubbles are released when you put, um, when you adjust into the spine because of the pressure change. So that's what creates like that popcorn kind of sound when you get adjusted. Uh. Um, the thing is number one, it's not, it's whether or not you get adjusted, it makes sounds that's inconsequential to whether or not the adjustment did its job. It's just one of those things. Like sometimes you wake up and you might like, if you stretch and your back pops a certain way, or if you pop your knuckles and those little gas bubbles are released. So it's something that happens and it is kind of like a quirky, funny thing. I think about getting adjusted. Some people think that release, it feels great and they love it. Other people, it freaks them out. (laughs) Yeah. So either direction is normal when it comes to whether or not that sound happens or not, um, that popping or cracking sound, Mm -hmm. um, getting an adjustment isn't the same as quote unquote, like popping or cracking your back or your knuckles, anything like that. That's a misconception because of that similarity and how it sounds. But what's different about the adjustment is it gets very specific with areas of the spine that again, are creating that interference to the nervous system where that dysfunction is creating that interference. And also um, focusing on the joint that needs to have normal mobility and biomechanics to it. Um, So the way your spine is connected, one of the ways your spine is connected to the nervous system is when your body's moving properly, there's little receptors in those joints and muscles that give your brain information. So when Mm -hmm. those things are not moving properly, sometimes, not all the time, it does cause pain and discomfort, but all the time it's interfering with the way that information is traveling from body to brain. So that's why you can have other adjusting techniques where you don't hear any sounds at all. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes people use instruments or light touch, or there are even certain types of tables that assist in the adjustment. And that is why those things work as well because of that main objective. It's not necessarily to hear popping or cracking or, you know, that's not what makes an adjustment effective. Thank you for clarifying that. That is, I think it's crucial for chiropractic care. And like I mentioned, it was something that kept me from seeking chiropractic care for years, honestly, because I was just, I could never get a straight answer from anybody on like what it was actually and how it was going to (laughs) feel. Yeah. And honestly, most people... Every so often I get somebody that's like very, their body is very inflamed or maybe they have this chronic issue that we're working through and there can be some tenderness and 
um, okay. pain with that when you're working with all of that inflammation and kind of mixing things up and getting things moving that maybe haven't been in a long time. And there's that part of the healing process, right? Because healing is not linear and it doesn't always feel good, you know, <laughs> unfortunately. True. So um, when that's the case, sometimes there can be some tenderness, some discomfort, but generally speaking, not not the case. Uh, most people feel like it feels great. I love getting adjusted. <laughs> so too. it's something I look forward to. I get adjusted on a regular basis by a friend and colleague. So I'm definitely, um, you know, I, I walk the walk when it comes to the care that I provide. And honestly, it wasn't until when I first started getting adjusted, it was for um, pain I was having. I was having neck and shoulder pain. And I got adjusted. I got better. And after that, I didn't go back. Um, I got calls to go back into the office, but I was like, I feel great. So I'm not sure why I need to go back. Because again, I hadn't been exposed to and taught about that vitalistic side. And now, you know, right now the buzzword is with self-care and about mm-hmm. ongoing um, holistic um maintenance and just caring for your body on a regular basis. And I didn't understand why I would want to go back. Cause I'm thinking like, I got the treatment. It worked. It was great. Done. Um, when I got into school, into chiropractic school, I was exposed to that, um, that side that I'm, I'm speaking of now in the way I practice where the focus isn't on you know, treating symptoms or disease or illness or whatever. Um, And I started getting adjusted on a regular basis as a part of just my regular health regimen. Mm -hmm. So due to some things going on in my body, I actually went twice a week for probably about like four to six months. I really don't remember a hundred percent, but it wasn't until I went through that healing process and incorporated chiropractic care into my routine over a span of time that it really impacted my health. I was a person who had, you know, really painful periods. I would get super fatigued, cramps, back pain. I had sinus issues, headaches often for most of my life. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just normal. You know, you get headaches sometimes, you know, you get sinus infections when the seasons change. Your period is supposed to hurt. And once I incorporated chiropractic care into my lifestyle, I noticed that those symptoms weren't happening anymore. Like my mm-hmm. periods were much more comfortable. I was getting sick less often. Um, and it just radically improved my health, which in turn ch- improved my quality of life drastically. So now I feel that I have to share that option to people or with people because initially it wasn't shared with me. And I think about those years that went by where I was still struggling and suffering in my health without realizing there was another way. And mm-hmm. in my office, there's, I, I do what I call restorative care. That's more focused on, you know, if you have a goal or something that we're trying to resolve, um, or even if you know, you just want to utilize chiropractic for a season, just through your pregnancy yeah. or whatever the case may be. And then I have what I call lifestyle care, and that's exactly what it is. It's incorporating chiropractic care into your lifestyle. Yeah, that's important. And I think it's very easy to feel like, oh, okay, well, the symptoms went away, so I don't need this anymore. 
But as you mentioned, you know, our body is dynamic. Things are constantly changing and the stressors of our modern world are always having an impact. And so if you take away the care, thinking that, okay, well, the one thing that I went for care for is now gone and I don't need it anymore. It doesn't mean that other stressors are not going to affect the body and have an impact on your health in a different way. So um, I like the, the option of lifestyle care plans as well. Yeah. And I think I came to a point where I realized that not everybody is in a place where they're ready to incorporate mm-hmm. that into their lifestyle or, you know, maybe, you know, financially there's a circumstance where, you know, we have to modify things based on what's happening or, you know, whatever. It's not my, yeah. I, my job is to, you know, show up and support and inform of what the options are. And, you know, people are going to choose what's best for them. And sometimes that means that like, I've literally had people that told me I presented a care plan to them. They weren't ready to invest their time and their resources in what I presented and they left and literally would call me years. I've had people call me years later being like, you probably don't remember me. (laughs) And they're like, like, I'm ready now. (laughs) Wow. um, Yeah, it's crazy. But I've kind of, I've gotten to the point where I've had to let go of, you know, wanting certain things for people and, Mm -hmm. you know, people are, they, you have, you have your own joint journey. And I think, um, you know, it's important to really put that power and responsibility in the hands of the individual and mm-hmm. just be there to support and just kind of meet people where they are. Yeah. And on that note, like one of the things that instantly inspired me about the work that you're doing is you're meeting people in so many places. So you mentioned that you're a doula, you're a chiropractor, you have a blog and you've written an ebook, you know, to really provide people with resources at any stage and at any like financial level that they might be at. And so I wanted to shift a little bit to talking about your ebook and um, how maybe you could share just one of the ideas because I don't, I don't want to give it all away since it's available on your website, but I'd love to hear one of the ideas about how you help people to have, um, you know, like an empowered pregnancy and birth? Yeah. So the inspiration for the ebook was the fact that I kept getting a lot of questions, a lot of the same questions, Mm. specifically people would email me, um, people in my practice, people would send me DMs on social media and ask questions like, how do I find this? Like, where do I get started if I want to take a different approach to my pregnancy and birth experience than the conventional approach. And I was answering a lot of the same questions all the time. So I started just kind of making an outline and asking people like, Hey, do you find this information valuable to like, would you pay for this? If I created a resource and multiple people said, yes, I even had one lady like she PayPal'd me some funds wow. answering her questions via email. And I found that a lot of people just don't know where to start. Like kind of how we were talking about with chiropractic care, like what do I need it for? Like what is what is childbirth education? How do I know that my care providers, the right care providers is uh, a good care provider for me? 
Um, What's the benefit of a doula? How do I find one? All of those basic questions, because it's not even in depth of, you know, childbirth education in terms of, you know, these are the stages of labor and this is how your body changes or any of that type of information. It's even a step before that. If you're in a position where you're pregnant and you know that you want to take an informed approach and be confident in the choices that you're making and um, feel supported throughout your journey, but you're like, how do I even create this birth team? How do I navigate all of these decisions in front of me? So I really broke it down in the ebook and you can find things like um, a list of questions to ask your provider. So you can Mm -hmm. get a feel for whether or not they are going to be a good provider for you. What are some red flags um, to be mindful of, to know that either you're not with the right person or it might be time to switch. Same thing with doulas. What are the benefits and some of those common questions? A lot of people think with not just doulas, but taking a more informed approach to birth, that it means um, you are you have to take some super hippie, crunchy, earthy approach to the process. Which, if that's for you, do you like that's that's great too. I, I'm kind of that person. I'm not necessarily, there's nothing, I'm not brave or I'm not like just super, I, there's nothing special about me that other people don't have when it comes to, uh, you know, my pregnancy and birth experience. I just knew that I wanted low intervention, uh, peaceful. Um, I wanted autonomy in my decision-making, um, mm-hmm. low intervention. And so that's why I chose what I chose for my own birth. Right. And so I think there can be a misconception with like the the women that choose certain paths throughout their pregnancy and birth, like, oh, those are hippie things. And it's like, no, you, everything, what works for you may look different than the next person, but regardless of how and where you want to give birth, regardless of what makes you feel supported and confident and comfortable and safe, there's going to be some thought that has to go in that process. It would be great if we were, um, I just saw someone post something about having a baby in, I think it was Switzerland Mm -hmm. and it was like, the hospital looks like a hotel suite. There's midwifery led care. They give you five-star meals. They give you classes to let you know how to take care of your baby. You get a midwife visit like once a month for something crazy, like six months or longer, like all of these things in that society and culture were the standard. But in our society and culture in the US, we're actually, um, I can't remember the number, but we are basically on par with like, I, I can't remember the countries off the top of my head, but essentially our maternal mortality and morbidity rates are increasing. Our intervention levels are very high. Our C-section rate is very high. Um, C-sections are not bad. They're just the emergency way to have a baby that sometimes they're necessary, but, um, for healthy, normal pregnancies, um, that's kind of like a last resort type of situation. Um, the world health organization, for example, recommends C-sections. I want to say like in the 10 to 10 to 15% range. 
Um, mm-hmm. 30% is average. Some hospitals have as even high as 40 to 45% C-section rates. So if we were in an environment where, you know, women were really healthy and thriving and having great birth outcomes, um, you know, we would need to do these things, but that's just not the reality. So regardless of what you feel comfortable with and what makes you feel safe and empowered and confident, um, there has to be some thought that goes into it. And so I've kind Mm -hmm. of made that whole process more streamlined for you by creating checklists and questions and resources to guide you through that process so you can feel confident in the choices that you're making when it comes to preparing yourself and building your birth team. That is amazing and so needed. And what is the name of the ebook? It's an empowered pregnancy ebook and my website, I actually, I've revamped it and relaunched it. So if you go to my website, drlaurencollins.com, it's actually on my homepage in my shop. So it's like an instant download. So you'll get it into your inbox right away. And there are sections that you can even, you know, print out and take with you, like your interview questions or your um, hospital or birth center bag checklist, things like that. So I tried to make it super practical and useful. Yeah, it sounds like it is. And as we start to come full circle, where else can people stay in contact with the work that you're doing? Yeah, so um, my website is the number one, I would say, drlaurencollins.com, and that's just DR abbreviated. And um, Instagram, um, super active on Instagram. Uh, same thing, Dr. Lauren Collins at DR Lauren Collins. And also, my chiropractic practice is called Abound Chiropractic, A B O U N D. And my Instagram is Abound Cairo for that. And I'm in the process of rebuilding my website. And that will be aboundcairo.com. So definitely follow on social media. And I have an email list. Um, same thing if you go to my website, there's a sign up. Also on my Instagram, there's a sign up to subscribe. I do not have the time to spam people. So <laughs> I don't send out a million emails. I literally probably send out an email once a month and I always try to make it very valuable to people. So if you want to know the latest from me, um, I love to round up useful information and um, you know share insights, hints, all of that good stuff about holistic health, motherhood, pregnancy. Um, definitely subscribe to my email list. Perfect. Thank you so much, Lauren, for your time and for the wealth of knowledge that you brought to this podcast episode. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, I enjoyed it. I hope that it's helpful and um, beneficial. I'm a huge podcast listener. So um, yeah, I hope the listeners find this useful and helpful and um, definitely reach out if you're listening to this and um, want to connect with me on social media or via my website. Um, I just love to be able to share the information and uh, support women, specifically mothers, because it's such a transformative journey Mm -hmm. and just one that, you know, we can't do alone. And especially in these COVID times that we're in right now, it's, it has become more difficult to connect. So, um, yeah, I, I just love being able to 
um, facilitate some kind of connection and support, even if just in that digital space. So it means so much. And I'm truly grateful for the work that you're doing. So for all the listeners out there, please go connect with Lauren. She's given all of her social media hangouts and and digital hangouts for you to find her there. So thank you again, Lauren. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. And that's it for this episode of Young Honest Mother, the podcast, which means it's time for you to join the conversation. Share your thoughts on social media and tag me at Young Honest Mother. And then pass this episode along to friends and family who need to know that they're not alone on this journey either. Until next time, I'm your host, Maurice Young.